that we get an insight into Paul's life and how it can help our life. And we can see your glory throughout these verses, these sentences, these chapters. We're thankful for this. Help us one more time, Lord, to hear from your word this morning and apply these things to our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I'm picking up the baton and continuing in Philippians. And I've given you a little help this morning. So you got a little handout. It, Mr. Flynn did a great job getting these ready for me. I appreciate that. This is actually what I gave the Nebraska football team before they played Buffalo. I did a chapel for the team. And typically when you do a chapel, it's kind of fun. You get players and coaches that come in. And so I always like to do a little bit of a handout that they can take with them. So I thought, well, I knew I'd be preparing and doing this message as part of our series. But this is also one of my, really some of my favorite verses for athletes and coaches. And so that's one of the reasons they got the little, uh, you know, picture of the stadium there. It was kind of interesting because I did the Husker Chapel at 5 o'clock, and then I walked down the street from the Cornhusker to the graduate and did, then did the chapel for the Buffalo football team. So that was just kind of interesting to see the differences between the teams and the players and the coaches. But in both cases, I could, you know, right after I gave the talk, the guys who were believers, coaches, athletes came up and engaged me immediately and said, hey, we needed to hear that message. And I think the reason was there are so many distractions in the Christian life that sometimes we lose track of what we're after. So the sermon title I've given to this is Running for the Prize, but what I put on the sheet for these guys was a new race. And here's the reason I did this, and so let me just take a minute before we jump into Philippians and say this. Really made no sense to any of those players, whether it's Nebraska or Buffalo, and typically I figure there may be as many as half to maybe 78% that don't know the Lord, maybe never gone to church. So really, when you think about this, if we're going to talk about Philippians, if you're not a believer, it makes no sense, right? What I love about Paul is he's going to coach us up on how to grow in the Christian faith. He's going to talk a lot about effort. But if you're not in the race, it makes no sense. So I'll just tell you this, what I started out with these guys, because there's probably some of you here this morning that are still grappling with this idea, am I in the race? And some of you know my kids went here, and I've been involved for a whole long time here at Nebraska Christian, and every year there are people who give their lives to Christ, might be somebody that's sitting on your row, maybe sitting right next to you, and you kind of assume because they've grown up in a Christian home, in a good church, and they're sitting by you that they know the Lord and they're in the race. But they may not be. When I think about just my testimony, and people sometimes will ask me over the years, well, what's a testimony? Actually, if you back up a little bit here in Philippians, we just got Paul's testimony. It's a pretty good example, a pretty good model to follow. But in very simple terms, I would usually tell people it's pretty, pretty simple. It's what was my life before Christ? How did I come to know Christ? 
What's my life been kind of like since I knew Christ? What's that look like? Pretty simple. I can remember when I became a Christian, I was a freshman in college, and even that simple outline might have helped me. I remember somebody knew I'd got saved and said, hey, you're going to want you to speak, give your testimony. I said, what's that? He said, well, don't worry, just say whatever. Well, that's pretty dangerous. I thought actually it was going to be about 12 kids in a youth group, and it wound up being a group at least this big, maybe maybe twice as big, and they came because I was a Nebraska football player. And somehow, I don't know, I guess it was the Lord's grace, and I spit out pretty much the before, how it happened, what happened afterwards. But I've also always encouraged, when people give a testimony, to give the gospel, which is talking about who Jesus is, that he died on the cross for our sin, and that he was raised on the third day, and he paid that price, that, that penalty, that only he could pay. And it's, it's always been, in my mind, a very simple outline I've used. And in fact, uh, my friend with FCA put together a track to share the gospel 35 years ago with FCA. And I'll never forget this very simple outline, which is, if you just write this down, I think it'll help you. But sharing the gospel is you got to say something about God. So just write God. you got to say something about God. So you got to know something about God, right? Now, you've got to fill in the blank a little bit, right? But if you're just... If somebody gets you on the elevator or they someday you're at a party or whatever and they say, well, what is the gospel? This just might help you a little bit, but you're going to have to fill in the blanks. You're going to have to say, hey, God is the creator of the universe. He's the, the one that wrote the book of the Bible, Genesis. You can fill in all of that, which is helpful. And a lot of that stuff you're learning here, here at school. That was easy for me when somebody witnessed to me as a freshman in college because when they said, this is who God is, and Gordon, you're not God. No argument there. I didn't think I was God. And they said, secondly, so it was God. And the second thing was just the word man. You know, you got to know something about man. And again, you can fill in that. You can go to Romans 3.23. You can go Romans Road. There's lots of things. We won't go through that this morning because that's not my message this morning. But I just wanted, as I was thinking about it, just to give you the simple outline, just say, and my, I remember my friend saying, and, and Gordon, you are a sinner, and he explained what that meant, that I've been separated from God, and that I could not attain heaven on my own. I, there was no argument for me about being a sinner. I said, oh, yeah, I know that. I get that. So God, man, and the third thing was Christ. So that's who is Christ. And I can remember growing up in just at home, but only going to church just a few times. So I kind of knew who Christ was, but I didn't really know he was God in the body. I didn't understand the reason he came to earth, that he paid a price. He was a sacrifice for my sin so that I could have a relationship with God. So again, fill that in, but just think, God, something about man you got to understand, something about Christ. And the final one is just a response. Like there's got to be a response. And I remember my friend telling me this. He said, there's got to be repentance. There's got to be, you're going your own way. You have your own worldview. And then there's a flip. There's a turn, the way you think and behave, because you turn away from sin and you turn towards Christ. Pretty simple, right? God, man, Christ, response. And maybe that can just help you think that through, because if you're just going, fumbling around like, well, what do I say about the gospel? That's just an outline, but you need to fill it in use Bible verses, and maybe that will be helpful. So I kind of spent a little time with the guys talking about that. And then I gave them kind of the Reader's Digest of this Philippians we're going to look at. 
in chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Now, what we've already talked about a little bit, almost every speaker has mentioned that Paul's in prison, right? So we got that. He's in prison. He's got a letter that uh, he's writing to the Philippians. That The Philippians are a long ways off, maybe about 800 miles away. They have sent him a gift, and so a part of what he's writing the letter is to thank them, but he's also going to coach them up. That's part of the reason I love this verse. So let's look at the whole verse, and then we'll unpack it verse by verse. So look at your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already grasped it all or have already been become perfect, but I press on if I may also take hold of which I was taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing I love about Paul, I think he must have been a sports fan, it seems like, because there's a number of places he'll use sports as an illustration. And what he'll do is he'll say, let me tell you something about sports, because you guys are going to understand a race. They would understand a stadium. They would understand that when you watch somebody running, they're straining, they're trying to get to the finish line, there's a prize. So there's this sports metaphor, illustration, that people would get. So I love this section because so many years I've talked to athletes and coaches and they totally get this stuff, right? They go, yeah, I've run a race. I know what this is like. I get that in the physical world. But this is really, this is Paul's way of saying, you understand that race, but I'm going to help you understand a spiritual race, which is really his point and the most important thing he wants to say. When I became a believer in college, there was this book, and I'm going to read this quote that helped me think this through, that when I became a Christian, there was a pursuit that I should be on. This book, name of this book was The Pursuit of Holiness, and some of these older guys will remember this in the 70s. It really took hold of a lot of Christians in the Christian community. It's written by Jerry Bridges, who served at the Navigator Ministry. Let me just read this, because it really helped me think about, I become a Christian, what are the next steps? Bridges says this, we need to brace ourselves up to realize that we are responsible for thoughts, attitudes, and actions. We need to reckon on the fact that we died to sin's reign that no longer has dominion over us, that God has united us with a risen Christ in all his power and has given the Holy Spirit to work in us. Only as we accept our responsibility and appropriate God's provisions will we make any progress in our pursuit of holiness. Just another way to say we're pursuing this prize, we're pursuing holiness, and the big idea to take away here is this pursuit is Christ-likeness. In fact, if you want to write this verse down, look at it later, Romans 8, 29 tells us that our purpose in life is to be conformed to the image of Christ. In fact, we're saved. That's our purpose. We're saved to become like Christ. 
So our purpose becomes, for each of us, our goal, our pursuit to become like Christ. This is the first point that I've got on the outline there. It's faith is active and dynamic, always moving us out and forward. Very simple. One more time, faith is active and dynamic, always moving us out and forward. Something maybe you can chew on a little bit today, maybe in your e-group. The one thing I can remember that Tom Osborne was my football coach at Nebraska, pretty well known. A lot of you are younger, younger, don't know who he is. But whether you talk to guys who played football for him at Nebraska in the 70s, the 1980s, the 1990s, they would all say one thing. They would say that I remember so many times he said the same thing after practice. And it's true for the 30 years he coached. He would say, guys, look, here's the deal. This week, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. So better or worse, there's no staying the same. And what he was trying to communicate, and he would say so often is, you're, you're going one way or the other, but what we need is we need forward movement. And this is the idea here. Faith is active, dynamic, always moving us forward. In fact, when you look at that verse, it says in 12, not that I've already grasped it or have already become perfect, but I press on, if I may, take hold for which I was taken hold of by Christ. And really, it's the idea that this is what life is really about, is to be like Christ. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. It's about 30 years now that he's been a believer and he's writing this letter and Paul's saying, I have not arrived. I'm not there yet. To give you kind of an idea of what this is kind of like is I remember meeting uh, Mr. Falk, Mr. Ostrand 30-some years ago, maybe 32, 33 years ago there at UNK. They're just young guys. They, they got hair. They're young. Uh, remember, they're excited about their faith. Most of you now know them older, the older version, 30 years later, but they had become Christians back in that time frame. So when you look at them, you probably go, wow, they're a great example of somebody that pursues Christ, that's trying to be like Christ. But here's the thing they would both say. They would both say, I think this, that they've not arrived. And yet there are times you probably look at them and you go, wow, if they haven't, I'll never get where they're at. But every day they're pursuing this Christ-lifeness. Now think about Paul. If you're ever talking about like a really super Christian, would it not be Paul? And Paul is saying after 30 years, look, I've not arrived. So there is not a point at which you can go, look, I've arrived. I'm done. I don't have to grow anymore spiritually. That time is not going to happen. This is an idea of perfection. And the thing you need to understand about perfection and being like Christ is, it's a goal, but you're never going to achieve it in this lifetime. So you pursue it, but you won't achieve it in this lifetime. And so you give it everything you got, but you know that there's not a point at which 
you're going to be perfect in this lifetime, but it doesn't mean that you don't give everything you've got to it. Let's look at number two. Paul is forgetting the past with all of its failures, defeats, and successes. So Paul's forgetting the past, failures, defeats, successes. All three of those things, really. I mean, just a few weeks ago, some of you might have seen this football game in Nebraska, and they've got a punter that's somewhat erratic and sometimes has struggled. And I wasn't that far watching him on the I was down on the field, and I was watching his seven-yard punt. I know some of you remember that. Like, didn't go very far. Kind of went off to the side. And when he dropped the ball to kick it, I mean, he barely grazed the ball. Like, he almost missed the football. So you kind of think, how long has this guy been kicking a football? Probably since he was about eight or nine years old, right? He's practicing, like, every day to kick that ball. I just couldn't believe that he almost missed the ball. How's that happen? I mean, this thing is impossible, right? Well, I'll tell you how it happens, and I've seen it as a coach, and I've seen it as an athlete. When you get something in your mind, it can distract you. It can be something, if you can't put it in the past, it affects the way you think and the way you behave. This is what Paul's kind of getting at is, look, whether it's your failures, your defeats, or your successes, pack them away. They're in the past. So when I see whether it's a quarterback like Adrian Martinez that sometimes seems to struggle, and you might be watching a game going, I, I don't understand why he's struggling. Put yourself in that position because you do the same thing some of the times, right? And if you can't at some point put it in the past, it will continue to affect your life in the present. I remember when I was at Nebraska, we were in the spring ball, and one of my best friends was a quarterback, and he was trying to, they were going to have to cut scholarships, and so he's feeling a lot of pressure, like, man, if I don't have a great spring, if I don't have a great spring, I'm not even going to be on the team. So he felt that pressure. Remember, he fumbled the snap. Not a big deal, right? I mean, that happens. And for whatever reason, that same practice, he fumbled another snap. So it's kind of like, well, that's a little unusual, but that can happen. And I remember the defensive coordinator went over and mocked him, made fun of him, teased him, and sort of began to make a thing about, hey, that, that Humphrey kid, he, he just can't even take a snap. It got in his head, and I kid you not, he probably fumbled snaps eight or nine times that spring. And I'm kind of going, how can that be? This is a very simple thing. But he couldn't put it in the past. It was the failures that continued to haunt him. Eventually, he lost his scholarship because of that reason, because he couldn't put it in the past. So, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. Let me give you this picture as well. This is a little bit like if, um, if you're looking at a door and there's a keyhole. And if you got down and you looked at the keyhole and you saw somebody at the other end of it, it's like you're looking through this keyhole and you're looking through it and you're focused on one little single object at the end of it. This is the idea that there's one thing, there's one thing I'm going to focus on. This is a racing horse. So a lot of times you'll see they have these blinders on, 
and it's to help them focus. So they can't see the other horses that are racing beside them. They don't see the stands, and so they can just be myopic. They see one thing. The only thing they see is this one thing. And what Paul's really saying is there is one thing to look at. You don't want to be double-minded. The book of James talks about, as believers, don't be double-minded. And that's the idea that there are some believers that are looking over here and looking over here and being distracted and not really pursuing that goal of being like Christ. So Paul's saying, don't be distracted. Have that very narrow focus. This is a picture I found, too, that I thought about. When you're focused, runners don't look over their shoulder, right? So many runners have run races, and they look over their shoulder, and boom, here comes a guy past them on the other side. So they also need to stay focused forward. Let me give you... These are three S's. You can write these three S's, and then I'll explain each one real quickly. These are the things to forget. Sin, the first S is sin. The second one is suffering. And the third one is successes. So let's just take sin, past sins. So if you think about the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was out persecuting Christians all over the place. I mean, he's got, he's got a past that's something you would not be proud of if you're a believer. There are those who come to Christ that have a past that's worse than others. Um, I didn't grow up going to a Christian church, Christian school, so I had things I did that were very worldly, and one of the things I had to do early as, as a Christian was pack it away. It's in the past, but quite often, that's one of those things that's really hard for believers to do. But Paul's saying, hey, if, if you've got sin, that's in the past. It's gone. Christ has packed that thing away, and you don't look back. The second one is past successes, past successes. And this is important because if you think about it, an athlete, you know, an athlete can't live on past successes, right? So some of you are runners. So if you're at the track meet and you get down ready to kind of get ready to run the blocks, the race is going to happen in a you know, short time. And you're kind of looking around talking to the other runners. The last thing you do is say, hey, um, I got to tell you, I had a really good race last year at State. I almost won that race. But man, I was really going good. And, I was and then last week I had a really good race. Like, you, you know, you'd go, well, who cares? Who cares? I don't care about what you did. What you care about is today. And how are you going to do in that race? Get focused and run the race. Well, as believers, the thing that I can't do, I shouldn't do, and I don't do, hopefully, and Mr. Falk or Mr. Ostrand, the thing we don't look back is 30 years and go, remember at UNK, FCA was so great, and we were serving the Lord, and we were leading people. We don't sit around and go, let's talk about the great victories. Like, they're in the past. That was fine. But what about now? What about now? And so I want to be an example to younger guys that I just turned 65 last week. You guys didn't get to sing happy birthday to me, but the younger kids did. That was kind of fun. But here's the thing. At 65, I don't sit around and go, hey, I'm 65. You guys that are in the 20s or 30s, let me tell you about, no. Uh, what gets me up in the morning, just like this morning, is because I want to pursue Christ-likeness. I want to pursue the glory of God and 
what I want to be able to share with people is a life that I'm pursuing today and yesterday and earlier in the week. So earlier in this week, I was meeting with groups, sharing my faith, the gospel, accountability groups. But, you know, I'm doing the same thing a lot of you guys are doing. Sometimes you go, great, I'm in a small group. I'm going to find out about Christianity. And at some point, I'm like going to graduate. And all of a sudden, I no, no longer need to read my Bible. I maybe don't even need to go to church. That's all wrong-headed. And yet I do talk to Christians oftentimes that kind of go, well, there's a point at which I just kind of phased out. No, no, this is a pursuit you go after. Well, you're all in, all the way in. Number three, this goal is the full knowledge of Christ and full likeness to him. So this is the goal, full knowledge. So this was great. You're at a Christian school. We're reading the Bible. We're going through Philippians. We're getting to know Christ better. Again, you're going to pursue Christ your whole life. That's why I'm always kind of big on a Bible reading program, something you read every day. My discipleship groups I meet with, uh, we're going through right now uh, 1 Corinthians as a group. I've got three different groups that do the same thing with all of them. We're doing something with the Bible. We're reading and studying the Bible. We want to know Christ better. And it's also that we're also becoming like Christ. And remember, I started with that Jerry Bridges quote, and he talked about attitude and action. And so much of what Paul's saying here is there's this effort to pursue and go after this prize. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. So when I think about this, here's what I know. This takes focus and concentration. I think this is part of the reason Paul uses this kind of athletic metaphor to help us understand what it is like to grow in Christ and that it's everything we've got and we concentrate. Think about this as athletes. It's been great this volleyball season. Football season's been great. But each of the athletes and each of the coaches has had to concentrate and the more you focus and the more you concentrate, generally, you are better at the skill you possess. You progress rather than regress. There's no secret when you coach a team to the success that many players have. Now, sure, some are six foot and some are five eight and some have more speed and some have less speed. But what you see is whatever you've got, if you can be focused and concentrate, you're going to be able to better pursue that whatever that prize is, whatever that thing is you're after. So I think it was probably 15, 16 years ago in this gym, I was coaching the boys' basketball team. I think I was probably down at that basket. Uh, my son was a sophomore in the basketball team, really liked basketball, wanted to be the best he could be at basketball, five foot eight. So when you're five foot eight, you better figure out that you better be able to hit shots from the outside generally, right? You're not going to be posting anybody up at five foot eight on a boys team. But we were shooting after practice like we normally would. And I would just kind of rebound. Everybody's out of the gym. And it was kind of common for us to do it. And I would kind of kick the ball out and he would shoot. And after a while, I was kind of getting hungry. And I said, hey, Josh, you about done? He said, no. Okay, I'll just keep tossing the ball out, you know, and. After a bit, I go, you done yet? Uh-uh, no. 
And it went on for a real long time. And then finally, I mean, probably it was an extra hour of shooting. And I said, what was going on there? And he said, well, Dad, I've got this kind of goal or objective I've set. And I've been watching some things about Larry Bird and some of these really good basketball players. And the guys who could really shoot the ball well set certain goals and objectives. You know, each practice, they shoot so many shots. So here's what I was doing today and I'd like to do from now on before we go home for dinner. And of course, when your dad's the coach, he's got the key so you can do this. But I said, well, what is it you want to do? And he said, well, what I did today and I'd like to do most days is I'd like to be able to make 20 uh, three-pointers and this is the kicker in a row before we go home. And I thought, really? And so I don't know if you've ever tried that. It's one thing just to make, like, I'd be doing well just to make 23 pointers altogether. But you got no idea over the next couple of years. And we didn't do it all the time because I got pretty hungry at times. But there are so many times he'd get like 18, 19, and he'd miss. And I'd go, really? I'm really getting hungry here. And there might be like two hours and he would continue to pursue it. Now, what was the result? The result was, he. there were, in fact, I, I can guarantee you, there were kids he competed with here at NC that were faster, could jump higher, definitely were taller, or had more talent, but he wound up being a real good shooter, and a lot of times people would say, wow, what's that secret to it? And I'd go, there, is, there was no secret to it. It was hard work, and maybe those two, two words, you know, focus, and concentration. All of you possess those to some extent. Not all of you are six foot two, some of you are five foot eight, but in the spiritual life, you all can concentrate, you all can focus. And when it's that pursuit of Christ, that's what we want to be after. And so concentration is so very important. Here's uh, the first panel of a, a track I just finished up for younger kids. And it just says, and I'll just show you the first page of it. It says, what gets you out of the bed in the morning? And you can see the girl says revenge. And you can see it at the start of the story is she wants to get revenge. Somebody has beat her in a race. And so she wants to get revenge. And so when we think about this pursuit of the prize and what motivates us and why we're, we're doing this, so many athletes have the wrong motivation. And so many of us have the wrong motivation, even in the spiritual race or just life. Maybe we pursue things because it gives us attention, you know, that recognition. People tell us how good we are. Uh, maybe sometimes it's like this girl where you're like, you know, I'm going to get revenge. Like tonight, you know, they beat us the last game. I'm really going to get after it, and I'm going to really beat them. What Paul is helping us understand about this pursuit of this prize, like what should get you up out of the bed in the morning is, your pursuit is to be like Christ, to know him better, to be like Christ. That's, that's the pursuit for the Christian life. That's the motivation. So if you're kind of waking up and you're going, you know, I just have a hard time getting up, you need to think about what's your goal, what's your motivation, and there will be a day that we will be not only like Christ, but we'll be with Christ. And because of what he's done for us, that should get us up out of the bed in the morning, right? So I no longer have a life that is meaningless, like I did before I became a Christian in college. 
So when I was in college, everything was about pursuing a scholarship at Nebraska. I thought that was, I thought that was the end all. I thought that was everything. And then when I got there, I thought, is this it? Isn't there something more to life than this? And so it was very frustrating and hard because I realized what so many people do, that life is really empty without a relationship with Christ. So that should be the motivation. If you have Christ in your life, you should be motivated to get after it. Let me, uh, let me just kind of wrap this up a little bit. I want you to think about this maybe as that clock's kind of hard to read up there. How much time do we have, Mr. Heckerdley? Okay, great. So I'm going to give you some questions for your e-group, and then I'll pray. So I think the thing, and you can ask this in your group, or you can just think about it, but I think you need to ask yourself, are you in the race? Are you in the race? Because the, the contrary to that is, if you're not in the race, you're still in the world. But maybe think about committing your life to Christ, the repenting of sin, denying self, and becoming a follower of Christ. And I, I wouldn't delay that. I mean, I'd do it now. I wouldn't go, well, I'm going to go away from chapel today and I'm going to just think about this. I mean, the Bible says today is a day, day of salvation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put, it, put it off at all. Secondly, maybe for some discussion, it could be how long do you think you've been in this race? And, wh and why, why do you think that? And that's a harder question, especially in a Christian school. For me, it was, it was super clear-cut for me because my life before Christ didn't involve anything with church. I wasn't around Christian believers. So to me, everything was real clear. I've become a Christian, so everything that I've ever thought is probably wrong. For a lot of you, you, you do think right often about things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're in the race. It could very well be that you're around other believers here and you're just kind of mimicking, imitating, going along with the flow, and then you're going to get out of here and you're going to go, wait a minute, what do I really believe? My friends believe this. The question to you is, do you believe it? And then maybe the third thing is, how far down the race are you? How far down the race are you? And this idea of what Paul's talked about here in that pursuing the prize, really being like Christ, when you look at the language here, it's the idea of stretching forward, maximizing everything you've got. It's all out, all in effort. I mean, that's the way every day ought to be. So, my hope is at 65 that I'll want and have that same desire, that same pursuit. What I hope and I, I think the Lord will be good and gracious to me because the thing you realize also is none of this philosophy we just talked about is a live and let God. In other words, there's some people that go, well, you know, just let God do it all. You don't do anything. Well, that, that, that isn't going to work, right? It's kind of like a coach saying, hey, we don't need to practice. We just show up for the game. So all of us, I think, realize there's some great effort. But we also realize without God's spirit, without God's power, none of this is going to go very far, right? So it's that great mystery when you look at spiritual growth where you go, it's 
God doing it. And it's also 100% our effort. And you go, if you're a math student, you go, well, wait a minute, 100 plus 100, that doesn't, doesn't add up. It's a great mystery. It's a great paradox. These things are both going on. We, don't, we can't wrap our brains about it, but I can tell you it's all of our effort, but it's all of God's work. So we never sit back and go, look how great I am to have grown spiritually. That's God's work. He's doing it through you, but it takes that great effort. Let's pray, and then I'll let you come up and make the final announcements, however we, we need to do this. Lord, thank you for this time this morning just to think about Philippians. Help us to strive forward with the gospel in mind. Let us be warriors for you, not just on the volleyball court, the football field, but all of life. Pray for these students, and I pray for some of the students that have not got in the race yet, Lord. So if there's anybody thinking about getting in the race, I pray today's the day they, they say, hey, I want to get in the race. I want to do it today. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I want to know I've got a relationship with God. I want to know that that I have an eternity with Jesus Christ, with the Lord. So I would pray for those students. Thank you for these students in this time we've had this morning. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.